Hi, everyone. Morgan here, and you are listening to the Rogue Preparedness Podcast. Thank you all so much for being here. Today, we have a guest. I'm going to jump right in because I think that we have a lot to talk about, and I don't want to be hearing me jabbing. Uh, So our guest today is Allison with This Prepared Life. I'm pretty sure you all are very familiar with her podcast, Instagram. She's blowing up. So... I thought I'd get her on the podcast before she gets too popular and she doesn't have time for me. <laughs> and <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I will always have time for you, Morgan. Aww. You are my people. <laughs> I am, and I'm so glad to be here. I'm like, I feel like I'm on the other side of the table right now, though. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had control with your podcast. It's my control. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so first I want, uh, to just do like a basic introduction of how you got into preparedness and homesteading and, and that kind of thing. And, and tell us a little bit about who you are. Okay. Yeah. So I am Allison and for anyone who doesn't know me or follow me anywhere, I am primarily on Instagram and I'm at this prepared life. Um, and I call myself homestead prepper. And we started homesteading before we started prepping. And um, we started with the, you know, gateway homestead drug of chickens. So um, I think, you know, chicken math and everyone starts homesteading with chickens. Um, So that was, let's see, probably, you know, 15, 16, 17 years ago when we got our first chickens and from then it, you know, it just grew and grew and grew and we slowly added things. Um, preparedness, like really intentional preparedness has only been going on in our homestead for a little over three years now. I'd have to do some math, but somewhere in there. Um, and that was when we really kind of, we sat down and we just had some discussions and we were like, you know, this really fits in with what we're already doing on our homestead and let's set some goals and really make a plan of how are we going to be prepared for the things that may possibly come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. I think, um, you know, I, I asked my audience once and I was like, you know, should I make another page or another website or something that just talks about, homesteading and everyone was like no you know homesteading and prepping they just kind of go hand in hand and the more I thought about it I was like you know like what would I put just on the homesteading side and just on the prepping side like it's hard because you know preppers want a garden preppers want a can preppers want to do all these things too and so I think it's just kind of like a, a marriage made in heaven and that's what this top that's what this the topic of this podcast is is it's homesteading exactly where you are so um, what, what does that kind of mean to you about homesteading where you are? So I really see homesteading as a mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the mentality that I am going to do this at home rather than rely on someone else for whatever that may be, whether right. it's baking bread or gardening or raising your own chickens, um, and that mindset can happen anywhere. That can happen in a condo. That can happen in an apartment. That can happen in a big city. That can happen on 20 acres. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to have land to homestead. Yeah, I 
totally agree. And let's see, I think it was like a year ago at this point that I said almost these exact same words in a video. Mm -hmm. And because I'm just so, I'm really just getting miffed at the preppers and people who are like, you can't homestead in an apartment. You can't do that. And like, you know, I just, I think homesteading, when people think of it, they think, um, like, you know, you have to have that land and the goats and all this stuff. And I, I think that's probably where the term came from. But I think we need to kind of reshift how we think about certain things. Like you're saying, you know, like, can you can in your apartment? Yeah. Can you, um, you know, raise your own pigs in an apartment? No. I mean, maybe the teacup pigs, but I probably wouldn't be doing anything with the teacup <laughs> pigs besides snuggling them. <laughs> so, <laughs> um. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, but there's so many things like what, what kind of skills do you think um, one can do in a more like urban setting? Um, like homesteading. Yeah. So many, so many, you know, like you said, you know, you can't raise pigs in a condo Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there are, there are limitations. So, you know, when I say anyone can homestead, I'm not saying anyone can go have a dairy cow. Right. Um, but there are things that you can do. Um, and I think learning to cook from mm-hmm. scratch is probably number one on my list. Um, preserving food. You can can, pressure can, dehydrate, ferment, freeze dry, all of those things, no matter where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, chickens. I mean, that depends on your city. Obviously, you can't probably have chickens on your, you know, balcony of your condo. Um, but if you're Challenge in a suburban accepted. area. Challenge <laughs> <laughs> I, I would honestly like to see someone do that. Um, you can raise rabbits, quail. Um, there are meat producing things that need very little space. Um, I think community and resources become vitally important when you are not on acreage mm-hmm. and that's getting to know your local farmers because there is someone near you who does raise a cow and raises chickens or raises goats or whatever it is that you are wanting to eat. There's someone who does that. You just have to find them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm personally kind of making that shift a little bit. You know, I don't think it's all or, or one, you know, or all or nothing. It's not like I have to do all everything local. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, try to find those couple things. You know, again, like you were saying, you want the cow. Well, let's go find a local farm. Then buy your whole cow or whatever. And then, um, like, I literally before this podcast, I was looking for a local grain company so I could go buy local grains from them. And I found a bunch, which made me so happy. So, um, yeah, you know, it's just that whole shift of, sure, I can't milk my own cow. I can't have my own cow, but I can go find a local source to get it. And mm-hmm. um, that could open up a whole uh, relationship, you know, down yeah. the line. And, and, you know, that's prioritizing because where are we spending our money and what are we, you know, putting our effort into? And so looking at the list of things that you can do on your own and then the lists of things that you're going to outsource because one, you can't do it. Two, it's, you know, not within what your property can handle. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just we can't do it all. That's so important. Right. What are, speaking of that though, like what are some things that 
you feel on your property that you would always have to outsource somehow? Or do you think mm. that there is anything you'd always have to out be outsourcing? Um, there's a lot. Yeah. Grain. I mean, we are not going to grow our own grain. Um, hay. Hay mm -hmm. is something we could do. Um, we have enough space for that, but we do not have the equipment for that. Mm. And, and hay is in art form. Like I've done a little bit of research into hay and I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's not just here's some grass in a field and I'm going to go cut it down. It, it, hay is an art form. Like hay farmers, kudos to you. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't really thought about what we can't do. Mm. So I'm like, hmm. I don't know if we'll ever have a dairy cow. I dream of a dairy cow, but we also don't drink milk. Right. So I'm like, is that really feasible? You got to have We've... the cheese. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm like cheese and all the butter. That's all I want a dairy cow for. I just want butter. Yeah. <laughs> can you Wait, can you freeze dry butter? I don't know because of the high fat content. <sighs> but yeah. you can freeze dry cheese. Right? You can, but it doesn't last as long. And you have to make sure that, like, there's no oil on it when it's done. Like, I've done some cheddar before that was super oily. And once it was done, it was still oily enough that I felt like, oh, this is not going to go into my long term storage. I'm really going to put this in my short term storage. Um, mm -hmm. Just because I was like, oh, I don't want to open that up three years from now and it's rancid, you know? Right. Do you think harder cheeses would do better than like the softer cheddar cheeses? Probably. Uh, probably. Wasn't. I've heard a lot of people have really good luck with like Parmesan and stuff like mm. that. I have only done, I've done mozzarella. I've done cheddar. Oh, that might be it. Maybe there's another one. I'd have to look. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So there are limitations to a freeze dryer. I thought yeah, you could really totally. do anything. <laughs> mm -mm. High fat uh. contents and no high sugar content can be hard and dairy is difficult. Wow. Well, my dreams of a freeze dryer are now being shattered because that's literally all I wanted for is cheese. <laughs> Uh, okay. Anyway. Uh, okay. So let's get back to, um, so what are some ideas? So we talked about the community. So let's reach out to community, our local farmers. Now, how, um, do you have any tips or anything? I ask a lot of the guests this, do you have any tips or anything about, um, actually connecting with your neighbors and things like that? You've lived in, in urban, suburban areas. So have you ever tried to connect with your neighbors and how did that go? Like in a prepping sense or what are yeah. you meaning? Well, just like trying to engage with your local community as best as possible of, you know, just getting to know your neighbors and, you know, making, being friendly with them really. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, anyone, no matter where you live, should know your neighbors because in the event of an emergency, your neighbors are your like immediate source of help should you need something. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, everyone needs to just reach out to their neighbors, no matter where they live. Um, and, you know, that's just like you move into a new place, go knock on the door and say hello and introduce yourself. Um, you know, your dogs get lost, your neighbors are your resource mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever is going on. 
So I think, you know, just going and introducing yourself is the biggest first step in that. Yeah. You know, we live in such a society now where even I am, you know, like I, I'm a community mindset. I'm a community minded person, but at the same time, sometimes I, you know, society has made us all feel so um, disconnected from each other. It's made us mm-hmm. feel like we can't, I can't go up to that door anymore. I remember thinking when I bought my first house um, many years ago before kids and I was like um, waiting for my neighbors to come by and say hello to me and like give me baked goods and whatever and like whatever, (laughs) you know, invite me into the neighborhood, which I thought was like a thing because like my mom and and grandparents would tell me this and like, you know, that's the etiquette thing to do. And I'm sitting, I was like literally waiting. I'm like, why haven't my neighbors like come and said hi, like or anything? And, and, you know, I just think that that's so like unfortunate that we've gotten to this place in society where we're just like so disconnected. We can't even come to our new neighbor who we see moving in and just say, hey, what's up? And we don't want to, or society's telling us don't, or I don't know what's going on there, but we're kind of losing our connection there. Yeah, I think that, you know, just over time, we have moved away from the concept of community. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, back in the day, your neighbors were your community. Mm -hmm. Um, Way back in the day, you know, I'm talking (laughs) like Little House on the Prairie time. That those people who lived, you know, within your little sphere were your only people. Um, but yeah, we have very slowly moved away from neighbors and being neighborly. Um, when we moved to Idaho, that was the first time that neighbors actually came and introduced themselves to us. Oh, wow. Um, other, like every other place we've ever lived, we always had to initiate that. And I don't know if that was the difference of the states or, you know, city versus country, but Hmm. Um, who knows, but yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. That actually, uh, that happened to us in, uh, Arizona. The uh, neighbors were coming to introduce themselves to us and we would always stop neighbors. My husband is the, uh, real social butterfly and, uh, he'd always literally just stop and wave people down and be like, Oh, we just moved in. We're down there. <laughs> Where do you live? <laughs> So that was really nice, though. I'm glad he did that. He does that. He's that person. Me, I'll be internally being like, I want to meet them. Who are they? I want to say hello. And then I'll just be like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the hermit. And Joe is also our social butterfly. So he is hey. he has met neighbors I have yet to meet because I'm just like, no, I'm in my bubble. Stay <laughs> right. out of my bubble, please. <laughs> Right. That works great, though. That's a nice balance. (laughs) Um, Speaking of Joe, I actually wanted to know something. Have you guys always been on the same page with everything, homesteading and prepping and all that? Um, Mostly. I think a lot of the times Joe is a very supportive husband and he is like, "Okay, you want to do this, then go for it. Um, but I think as things work, he sees their benefit and their value. Um, he actually started prepping before I did. So, um, but I lead the way on a lot of the homestead stuff. Um, 
so, but we're both pretty much on the same page when it comes to raising our own food and, you know, being with a goal of as much self-sufficiency as possible in our meat and our vegetables and what we can produce. Mm -hmm. So we're both on the same page there. And, you know, now three years later, we're both totally on the same page um, in prepping and we sit down and plan and talk about the year together and all of that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, I think sometimes he's just like, okay, my wife wants to do this crazy thing and I will let her. So, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's exactly my husband. He's like, whatever, go ahead and try it. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's nice that you know you have yeah. someone to support you, and I'm sure you support him and whatever you know. That's mm-hmm. nice. So, um, I guess uh, you you have said a couple times and um, that you started homesteading first, and then you became a prepper. How are you differentiating, like the homesteading between the the prepper aspect? Yeah. So, and these are like my own definitions. I know like sometimes I think everyone has these like, this is what prepper is definitions, especially when you start going online and going to message boards and whatever. So these are my definitions. Um, So for us, homesteading was more that self-sufficiency mindset of what can we produce on our own? You know, what food can we grow Um, things like that. And so we started that and just slowly grew over, you know, the years. Um, Whereas prepping is more, um, I'm thinking, it's, it's intentional and here are possible things that we might need that we are not able to produce ourselves um, or need to learn the skills so that we could produce them ourselves, like making ammo. Uh That is right now something we will are completely reliant on someone else producing. But it's a skill that's on Joe's list to learn. It's not a skill that's on my list to learn. I don't really have any (laughs) desire to do that. But he does. And so that is part of our prepping. Whereas homesteading, it's not really a, I mean, it is a self-sufficiency, but our homesteading is more food related. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Um, Homesteading are you kind of thinking of the the gardens and the animals mm-hmm. and then the preserving that comes with it that's going to get you through until the next year, essentially? Yeah, yeah. And, yep. and, and then- when, when we kind of made that intentional flip to, okay, let's be intentional about preparedness, um, it was fairly easy because we already had, okay, well, we have our year's supply of strawberries, either in our freezer or canned, because that was how we were homesteading. We are planning for till that next season when those things come back into when we're harvesting again. Right. Um, Whereas prepping is, that is more longer term also for us. Mm -hmm. Um, Like if, if we didn't prep right now, we could 
we would still have our year's supply of whatever I have canned or preserved in some way. Mm -hmm. So prepping also is more this longer term thing. Did you, um, did you ever have, uh, like plans, like the bug in plans or bug out plans or anything like that before you like officially started prepping? Did you ever think about that stuff? We didn't. Um, that like, and Joe may have, I haven't really asked him. Um, but cause like, you know, he, I think he had a bug out bag in his car long before I even started thinking about it. So maybe I should ask him that. Um, but yeah, no, like we were just producing food and what can we be self-sufficient in and let's try raising this animal. Oh, we don't like that. Let's try this animal now or, or let's try this thing in the garden. So it was purely self-sufficiency in how are we removing ourselves from that food system. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So hold on one second. My child just busted into the room. Yay, kids. <laughs> she needs to come on the podcast too. <laughs> we'll have a kids edition one day. <laughs> go, buddy. There you go. No cutting that. That needs to go in the the live okay. version, okay? Okay. okay. I won't cut it. I'll cut this part. <laughs> All right. All right. Whenever you're ready. I'm good. Okay. Um, what was the last thing you said? I'm sorry. My kid busted in and you were still talking. Uh, and I, got I don't remember. All I can think about is cute kid voices. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. So you were thinking of things from a self-sufficiency standpoint. So um, once you started prepping, you started thinking about that more long-term foods of like, now you're getting into the buckets and the Mylar bags and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, I don't know when freeze dryers came out. When, when did you get a freeze dryer? Uh, we got a freeze dryer when we moved to Idaho. So okay. it had been on my bucket list for years. And oh. I was always telling Joe, I really want a freeze dryer. I really want a freeze dryer. And he would see that price and be like, oh, my gosh, we're not getting a freeze dryer. Yeah. And they have them in stores here, like mm-hmm. in the the local feed store. And I'm like – Hey, Joe, look at this beautiful silver thing. It would look great in our basement. And he caved and let me get a freeze dryer. And now he's like totally on board, totally on board with a freeze dryer. But um, I think in the beginning, he was envisioning disgusting mountain houses all the time. And I'm like, no, no, I make some good stuff in that freeze dryer. He's always like, hey, do we have any of this? I'm like, no, not in the layer you can eat. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Um, So uh, circling back a little bit to to the homestead prepper mindset, um, you have done a little bit of homesteading and gardening in like rental places. Do you Mm -hmm. use that right? Yeah. So what type of advice do you have for people that are like renting a house or even an apartment, a condo, whatever you've mentioned that a couple of times, like what kind of advice do you have for, for them? Cause a lot of stuff, you know, you can't be permanent with some of that stuff. So. Yeah. Um, you can grow almost anything in a pot. 
Mm-hmm. And we have had a garden in some way, shape, or form in every rental house since, let's see, since my daughter was six. She's 21 now. So, I mean, that's a long time. Yeah. Um Sometimes it was asking the landlord, can I till up this, you know, 10 by 10 foot plot of land? And they would say yes. And we very quickly gave up hope of ever getting our deposit back in any rental house we ever lived in. Like, seriously, Um, never got a deposit back. Um, Worth it. (laughs) Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Um, So, you know, maybe your landlord will let you till up a plot of grass. Maybe they will not. And we have been in houses where they were like, um, no. So (laughs) I planted things in pots. I had fruit trees in the big, huge pots that Costco Mm -hmm. sells every spring. And like, I I know when I was buying them, they were like 30 bucks. That's such a good deal. I don't know what they are now, but um, you can grow fruit trees in pots. You can grow, you can grow anything in a pot. Um, but my, my biggest tip would be like, think about what you eat and then look up the yield of that plant and what is going to give you the most for the space you have. One cucumber plant that is well tended and well fertilized, you're going to have pickles for the entire year. Like cucumbers produce so much. Pea plants produce so much. Mm -hmm. You can grow carrots in a pot, but you get one carrot. One per plant. So your yield is so much smaller. So really think about which plants are going to give me the most for the effort and space I'm putting into them. Right. And what you eat too. Like if you eat a lot of carrots, maybe you just want to plant all carrots. I mean, just go for it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean. Okay. So as far as uh, animals go in like – uh, uh, an urban environment. Now, I have <clears throat> okay. So there's been like a couple situations with me, <laughs> um, and I've heard a couple things. So first of all, I think chickens, like you said, is the like it opens up so many doors. You're just like chickens, yes. And now I I feel confident in doing literally anything else with my life now that I have chickens. <laughs> chickens are one of the easiest things to to take care of. They are amazing they're just very cool creatures and they you know they give you eggs so that's cool and um you know there's dual purpose chickens and all these things and so when we lived in urban and suburban areas and we owned our home we had chickens there was one rental home that we were that we were able to have chickens too but um it was always so amazing to have at least just two or three chickens because that's that's a source of eggs that you know if they produce every single day that's two or three eggs a day and that's adds up i mean two or three eggs mm-hmm. times seven days you know that's a lot of eggs yeah and you're producing all of that you know with your chickens and stuff and then um are you i'm i'm derailing a little bit i was actually getting to a point but are you um you buy all your chicken feed now right yeah yeah we buy all of our chicken feed have you ever thought, and I think you have a lot of chickens, right? Um, Kim asked me last week and I said I didn't know. So I went and counted and I think there's 23. 
Um, but they move around a lot. So maybe there's more or less. They move around a lot. What does that you know, mean? When I'm, when, I'm, when I'm counting, they're like walking around. Oh. <laughs> you meant, they move to my neighbor's house and they come back when they no, want. No, no. <laughs> no, I'm like standing there in the coop going, what do you three, four, four, as fast as I can is they're running around. So I think yeah. there's 23 chickens. Maybe there's 30. Maybe there's 20. I don't know. <laughs> okay. 20 to 30-ish chickens. Uh, that's a that's a lot of chickens to feed. Uh-huh. It really is. Have you ever thought of making your own feed for the chickens? Or now, um, you can, can you grow corn? Um, we can. Um. Oh, it's hard first. Yeah. Um, so our growing season and we're in like a microclimate that, um, as far as I can tell so far, you know, I mean, this will only be my second year gardening here mm-hmm. gets frost earlier. So we had our mm. first frost September 1st this Ooh. year. And our last frost was June. <gasps> so yes, I have a very short growing season. Um, so I have, I've always started my corn in my greenhouse, even when we were in Western Washington and I had a long growing season. Um, so this last year I started my corn in the greenhouse, but it, that first frost killed it before it was ready. So I was like, oh my gosh, last year was like the biggest learning year for gardening. So, um, I have not thought about growing my own chicken feed, but my thoughts long terms with chickens, they're great foragers. Yeah. So they're not going to starve. Um, and they eat scraps of everything. Yeah. Uh, and we have 20 acres. So if we had to, they can roam. Um, yeah. And I also have freeze dried corn and food in my long-term layer for my chickens, which is go. strange, but it wasn't edible for humans. So I'm like, I'm going to freeze dry this for chickens, <laughs> which is silly, <laughs> but I did it. So no, totally not silly. I used to buy corn and stuff specifically for my chickens, not for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Kind of weird. Um, oh, I bought sunflower seeds specifically for my chickens. And then I was like, yeah. I'm going to take a little handful see if I can grow it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. I tried sprouting wheat last year for them. I was mylaring some wheat berries and I was like, oh, I'm going to take some of this and see what that whole process looks like. And they loved it, you know, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's lots of ways to feed chicken. Like you said, you know, I had to think back to the way back days and be like, you know, I I really don't think they had mass produced chicken feed. I mean, uh-huh. I just don't think they did. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, how did they do it? I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm sure, you know, back then they grew their own. Yeah. They, grew you know, some, they had to grow bedding. some supplementation, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. But then they let them forage, like you said, and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, bugs, all that. Okay. Sorry. Talk about chickens. Um, <clears throat> okay. So what was my original question i asked about chickens got distracted it's a great podcast uh, it is it's awesome <laughs> i love it i love the ones you just derail all the t- that we derail all the time it's good um okay so what other what other skills and things do you think you did mention a few? So, what other skills and things, just preparedness, homesteading, survival, whatever that you think 
um, people should be learning now, whether they have land or not. Like, you know, they can get creative. And if they live in an apartment, obviously, you know, maybe they can't have a barbecue or something. And so they have to go to a local park to practice their fire making skills or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, like, how would you tell people to look at things differently and, and open their mind to um, learning skills now, you know, of various things that, you know, that, you know, you can't have pigs fine, but what can you do? What else can you do? Yeah. I think that um, looking at your normal day through that lens of what you just said is the best way to figure out, you know, Hey, these are the skills I might possibly need. Um, and you know, my Instagram totally speaks to women. Mm -hmm. And so most of my answers tend to reflect that. Um, I don't know if you have a huge male following or not, I do not. Um, so like I will say on my Instagram, as you go through your day, ask yourself, do I have the skills to do this specific task Mm -hmm. if I did not have electricity or running water, all of those modern conveniences that just make our life so much easier Mm -hmm. because doing laundry is a whole different ball game if you don't have a washing machine. So how are you going to do that? Or like you said, you know, building a fire and cooking, how are you going to cook your food if you have no power and no way to cook it. Mm-hmm. You got to figure that out. So is that learning how to build a fire, which is an amazing skill and everyone should know how to build a fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but we each need to look at our day because I think that that dictates, oh, these are maybe my top things I should start learning. Cause right. some stuff is just fun to learn, you know, but is it really going to help you on a daily basis? I don't know. Right. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of how I look and I filter things as I'm wanting to learn new skills. How is this, you know, going to impact my day? And some stuff is just like, oh, that would be really cool to learn. And I'm going to go do that just because I want to. Right. You got to have fun, too, you know. Yeah. Totally. Like, I like to build primitive shelters and things, but I always have to ask myself, how often am I going to do this? And I think, and then I go back to the, I don't know. I could get stranded. I have no idea. I, you know, I could get in a plane crash. I don't know. And then just, I have to build a primitive shelter. I don't know. And and that is totally right on. Like, I mean, that is a skill that people should know how to do Um, because you never know what's going to happen. You're stuck out in the boonies and your car gets a flat tire. And for some reason you can't fix it yourself. I don't know, you know, and you're out there forever. Who knows? I don't know. Right. Um, But yeah, like I think one filtering it through your day, but also, you know, what are possibilities within the things I do in my life? You know, my kids go backpacking with their dad and two, three nights is normal, longer, Sometimes they've done, they've done like 10, 14 day trips before. So them having those skills and knowing what the 10 essentials are and being able to build a fire and knowing how to read a compass and things like that are so important. So important. For sure. I think a lot of those things are kind of just basic things that I think everyone should kind of grow up with a a basic understanding Mm -hmm. and knowledge of anyway, you know. Um, Yeah. But we don't. 
Yeah. That's the thing. We don't anymore. We are not taught those things. We aren't yeah. like basic skills are not taught anymore. And that's incredibly sad. It is. Yeah. But it, you know, now it lies on the parents. And unfortunately, if the parents don't know it and the parents don't want to learn it, you know, where are they going to learn it? They had to go to a special school or learn on YouTube or something. But, you know, you know, it's it's just I hope that they find the skills that they need kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, yeah I, I really like what you said, though, about, you know, going through your day. I still do this. I've been doing this over 10 years and I still do this every single day. Well, what if, you know, I didn't have this? What if I didn't have that? You know, like I use my KitchenAid a lot and I'm like, I really like it. But like, mm-hmm. what if, uh, you know, I couldn't use it? And obviously you can survive without a KitchenAid, but do you want to? Do you even want to live in a world like that? I'm just saying. So no. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the world is without my KitchenAid, mister. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> There is no no usable world, <laughs> no world that we want to live in without the KitchenAid. Yes, yes. Um, you know, like recently we got a, a coffee maker and I haven't had a coffee maker in years because I've always just made it in like a French press or something, but it's so nice <laughs> to mm-hmm, have that coffee mm-hmm. maker. But I know how to make it other ways. So it's those kind of things. Um, uh, I was gifted a, a manual um, coffee grinder. And I had always had an electric one and that was really cool. And so it gets you spiraling into these, Mm -hmm. well, you know, other thoughts of great, if I don't have my heat, right, my electric heat or even propane heat, propane will last longer. Like if you're connected to natural gas or propane, it'll last pretty good. But if you, if you're running your, let's say you have a propane heater and you're running it off of a propane tank, like we, we did that for a little bit. You're running off a propane tank. You still have to be conscious of the level of that tank and that kind of thing. You yeah. Know? So do you have backups to that tank and do you have backups to these other things? And um, I, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I love what you said about that. You know, just go through your day. What if I couldn't do this? Um, what if I got stuck in traffic? That's a big thing lately with mm-hmm. what happened with the – with the cars getting stuck in traffic for overnight and nobody being prepared. I mean, very few people. Yeah. That was, that must've been terrifying. I mean, think about that. Like it's freezing, you know, you only have maybe a lot of people probably didn't have full tanks or even half tanks of gas, that kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. they're having to sit there freezing, you know, you were just going about your day and then something like that happens. Yeah. So we can always learn from other things as well. <laughs> you know, maybe you yeah. did not directly experience it, but we can learn from it. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, you know, just the whole snowstorm and was that in Virginia? I think Am so. Am I remembering that right? Yeah. yeah I, think I think that was in Virginia. I think that was a wake up call even more. Like, I think just our everything going on right now is a wake-up call. Yeah, right. In so many ways. like, And if it's not, I'm like, oh my gosh, why not? But that's a totally different topic. Um, But I think that that, I had so many women messaging me um, after that happened going, I could see this impacting or something similar to this impacting my life and I, I need to get prepared and how do I do that? Um, so I think, you know, as 
as horrible as these situations are, when they do happen, more and more people wake up and start realizing the value of preparedness, which is a good thing. Yeah. So there's, there's always something to learn. And I think um, that can be really overwhelming to people, um, mm-hmm. especially when you start adding in the homesteading aspect to it. Um, but what what advice do you have to people that are feeling really overwhelmed with it all? So prepping and homesteading, I should do it both. Like what just what what advice do you have to people in general who want to be as prepared as possible? Yeah, I think first thing you don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have to do both. If someone wants to just go buy ready-made buckets of food, that is totally acceptable. Mm-hmm. I think that Every single one of us gets to decide what our homesteading and preparedness look like. Yes. And there's no wrong answer there. I think the only wrong answer is not doing it at all. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> rifles feathers. But anyway, <laughs> not going to rabbit trail. Um, and knowing that this is a slow journey. This is not oh, I'm going to get prepared and tomorrow you're prepared. Right. I mean, I have spent years, you have spent years, we have mm-hmm. spent years building what we have. Mm-hmm. So I know some people, you know, they they look at my Instagram grid and and they see, you know, my my pictures of my prepper pantry and they're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that that didn't happen overnight. That was so many hours of research that was so many months of planning that was tracking what we use on a daily basis and on a monthly basis and knowing what comes in and out of my kitchen and then buying extra here and extra there. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, right now I'm at the point where almost nothing that I buy except for fresh food goes into my kitchen. Everything goes into my um, my storage layer mm. because I am fully restocking my kitchen from that storage layer at this point. But that did not happen overnight. Right. Slow and steady wins the race. And, um, you know, I say on my podcast, every little bit matters. And that is so true. Every little bit matters. Mm-hmm. You did a great, I think it was a post um, sometime recent about rice and you were talking, you did the math and you were like, oh, if I buy one bag of rice Mm -hmm. and then the next week or month, I buy another bag of rice. And then you totaled it up over 52 weeks and you had this just massive amount of rice. And I was like, that was such a great visual representation for people because it is not, I'm going to go buy 500 pounds of rice tomorrow because that (laughs) will be all of my prepping needs. It's, right. Most of us don't have that in our budget. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it all at once. It's so slow. And right. yeah, and I think that's frustrating because we do live in a immediate instant gratification culture. So I, I think uh, what you just said with the instant gratification is really um, messing with people a lot. Uh, mm. you know, with trying to get prepared because they feel so overwhelmed, you know, oh, I'm so behind this, that, and the other. And it's really disheartening to see because 
you know, when somebody says, oh, I just have, you know, a week's worth of food. Yeah. I'm like, congratulations. Mm-hmm. You have a week's worth of food. Wow. That's more than most people. I know somebody who only buys what they need for the week. That's it. Yeah. And and they're like, I just don't have enough space or enough, you know, whatever. I'm like, yes, you do. Stop it. <laughs> Why are you doing this? You're giving me a heart attack. Anyway, and so, it, you know, um, it every every little thing, every little thing helps. You just have to do it a little at a time, a little at a time, a little at a time. Yeah. yeah. It does add up. Same page. Actually, those buckets are pretty good, though. I'm not gonna lie. Are they? Some of those buckets are pretty good. Yeah. We are like super food picky. I'm. I'm gonna go as far as to say we are food snobs. Oh. And that has, mind you, I eat Doritos by the Costco bag full, so I do eat <laughs> crap. Um, but I think because for so long we have raised our own chickens, yeah. um, you know, we buy a cow from friends who raise a cow every year. We buy mm. pigs from local farmers. Um, and so, you know, over the last 15, 20 years, we have really moved our food into this as close to its natural state as possible, minus yeah. the Doritos. Um, <laughs> and so I think we will go out to eat at a restaurant and I'll be like, Oh, I could have made this at home better. You know? And my kids will say that like my 13 year old will be like, mom, your, your food's just better. And it's not that like my food is better. It's that the food is better. Yeah. Um, Oh my gosh. And you realize like how easy you could have made this for a quarter of the price. Yeah. Man, I just spent way too much money on this. Like, I like uh, we went to IHOP the other day a long while ago, and it was $5 for Kraft mac and cheese. And I'm like, I'm paying $5 for a dollar macaroni. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Pancakes get me. There's something about restaurant pancakes. Like they are the best thing in the world with that crap butter all over them. They're just so good. So good. Right. But like I can make a pancake in no time. (laughs) But I don't know. Sometimes you just have to have a restaurant pancake and it doesn't matter that it's like a hundred times the cost (laughs) of your homemade pancake. It doesn't matter. Um, But yeah, yeah. You know, those food buckets, it's like, that's a great alternative. If you don't yeah. have a freeze dryer, you don't have that, you do what you can. And, you know, we don't do those food buckets. One, because we have a freeze dryer. Yeah. Um, but before we had a freeze dryer, I purchased freeze dried food, but mm-hmm. I purchased ingredients. Right. Um, but, you know, it all depends on what is going to work for your family. So in that wouldn't work for our family because Joe can't eat a lot of the stuff that's in those things. Um, But yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Just do, just do what works for you. I mean, it seems crazy idea, but (laughs) it works. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it really does. Um, But I have a um, a kind of serious question for you. Um, Okay. I'm ready. All right. I'm starting to laugh, so I'm like, how serious is this going to (laughs) be? It is super serious, okay? So be ready, okay? Okay, okay, I'm ready. 
What is your deal with pumpkin spice? Why don't you? Oh like my it? gosh, because it's crap. It is like marketing. Oh, Morgan. It is like they're just like here, pumpkin spice candles, pumpkin spice lotion, pumpkin spice crap. Crap, crap, crap. You and your stupid it, you did you know? Okay, listeners, pumpkin spice does not actually contain any pumpkin. None at all. You need to quit. I am so serious here. This is like the most serious of all serious things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's it for me. I'm going to be dying from this conversation for a while. Oh, oh amazing. I and you know I don't really like pumpkin so like the fact that the entire world barfs pumpkin spice once a year is really irritating. It's like I cannot go anywhere without seeing stupid pumpkin spice. Yeah. I am I'm not sure why or when it got so popular. It kind of came out it's, of nowhere I feel like. It it's that one coffee company they did it they ruined oh. the world oh of course they, they ruined the world anyway but yeah <laughs> that's a different topic i i gotta say though i i do i like the pumpkin spice but it's just a spice i don't know why they call it pumpkin spice though i honestly don't know that because it doesn't taste like incredibly like pumpkins it's just a it's like a nice i folly i think spice. it's the spice that goes into pumpkin pie but no the no, that's called pumpkin pie spice. But isn't it the same thing? I have never. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I have never in my life eaten anything labeled pumpkin spice. So I may very well like it. <laughs> but I refuse. I refuse to play into the hype of pumpkin spice. Okay, how about this? How about I saw I saw a, a recipe that actually had pumpkin in it and then it had like the cinnamon and the nutmeg or whatever. It was like a coffee and it like had a little bit of pumpkin puree or something, a little bit of milk or something like that. It was a nice recipe. Like I wanted to try it and uh you should try that and I think you might uh, like that. But you don't Morgan? like pumpkin, so I don't know. I, I don't put my peanut butter and jelly together. I am definitely not going to put oh pumpkin puree in my coffee. Oh, no, 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 no. I am totally serious. I am like a three-year-old with standards when it comes to food. You don't mix food. I need one of those trays with little separate sections for oh all my, my food. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had no idea about this. Yeah, yeah. No, you, we don't like, – I – if I have to, I will eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But if I have a choice and I am making it, no. I toast my bread and I have a buttered jelly slice and I have a peanut butter slice. And I eat the peanut butter one first because it's healthy. And I eat the jelly one second because it's like dessert. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know what? We have like not at all talked about homesteading and we're at 52 minutes. This is way more interesting now. Forget homesteading. Allison's weird food issues. <laughs> also, you want to hear, do you want to hear something really crazy? I would love to. Crazier than I, the peanut butter jelly? Oh, yeah. Is totally crazy. Thing? 
Okay. Totally crazy with how much I garden. I don't eat probably 50% of the vegetables we produce. What? What are you doing? I don't like them. I don't like them. Joe likes them. The kids like them. I don't like squash. I think it's the disgusting, soggy food. Like, I I chop it up and I put it in things. You know, like you blend stuff so your three-year-old doesn't notice. That's what I do. So I will eat it. Uh, I get (laughs) get Okay, okay, okay. So are you growing it for other people or is it, are you just like, oh, I guess I'll have this and I'll freeze it, right? Or can it? Or just, no, my family loves it. Like okay, my okay. kids love vegetables. I, I will make a massive like stir fry vegetable Ooh. in the summer and everyone eats it but me. I just don't like it. What are you eating? Your peanut butter and jelly halves? No, I eat like whatever meat I made. And I always usually make a side that I will eat. Like I love broccoli and carrots and stuff like that. But I don't like squash and eggplant and uh, green beans are okay. I'll kind of eat them. Uh, What else do I – I don't like so many foods. It's crazy weird. (laughs) Like it's crazy weird. That it's pretty funny because you know what you could do since you are the keeper of the garden, right? Pretty much, right? Okay, yep. so you could just be like, forget you guys, I'm going to be making stuff for me. <laughs> so we're going to have uh, broccoli and we're going to have carrots. This, I will have five acres of broccoli and carrots. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> what I would do but I'm (laughs) I actually am more concerned about growing things for my children that they will eat than what I will eat because I will eat almost anything my children eat nothing and uh so I'm you know I hope that the more we grow things the more they understand and see it and the more they get excited about eating it that's definitely happened with, with Kid Rogue she has gotten really excited about eating the food that we produce so that makes me happy. Um, and actually, she's going to have her own garden this year. Pretty excited about that. So That's awesome. I always gave my kids a section that was just theirs. Like every kid had their own little section. And like I have pictures of some of their first gardens. And it is oh. literally like, you know how you always have extra seeds? At least I do. I think most people always, I would just hand them a bucket of seeds and be like, you can plant anything in here that you want. And literally it'd be like, okay, here's 40 pea seeds in a five inch square and a hundred carrots in a, like I gave no direction unless they asked. And then I gave them direction. But when they're little, they just dump and pour. And sometimes their little gardens produced so much food oh. <laughs> like <laughs> seriously peas those things can just take a beating like yeah yeah so. i stopped watering my peas once like i thought they were dead i was like whatever you're not coming up i'm stopping yeah. watering you and then they came up like two days later i was like what are you yeah. serious right now? yeah <laughs> okay so yeah peas are resilient um okay well <laughs> This was enlightening. How many levels? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any last final advice or words for anybody who just wants to change their mindset a little bit about skills they want to learn wherever they're at? Go. 
you know, I think just take it one step at a time. If something is interesting to you, go start researching it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want to make bread, go make bread and you're going to fail 500 mm-hmm. times before you get one good one. Yeah. And that's okay because that's how we learn. If you want to can food, go can food. You know, everything starts with research. And we live in an age where you have all the information you need at your fingertips. So, which is really cool. Um, So just go start researching stuff and start doing it and try new things and experiment and fail and try them again. And some of the things you're really going to like, and some of the things you're going to be like, yeah, that is so not for me. And that's okay. If it's something you need in your life, find someone that enjoys doing that and buy it from them. Um, But yeah, just, and have fun, have fun with it. This isn't a stressful thing. Mm-hmm. Like it should not be a stressful thing. If it's a stressful thing, you need, you're doing too much to or a bit. yeah, reevaluate, um, just enjoy it and, and learn things. I think there, there's so many things we can learn. Absolutely. And to learn all the things definitely head to Allison's Instagram page, uh, This Prepared Life, and her podcast, which is also This Prepared Life, um, and learn all the things because she has so much knowledge to share, and she's always pushing us to our next levels and challenging us and you know, just making sure we're getting out there and doing the things which she talks about often on her page. And I always appreciate it because you're always pushing people and it's very nice, but in a nice way. Sometimes I think I'm hard on people. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, don't come to my page if you want someone to like nicely hold your hand and go, there, there, honey, you got this. (laughs) You come to my page if you want someone to hold your hand and be like, get off your ASS and get to work, make a goal, make a plan. You can do this now. Because, yeah, there's no BS. (laughs) (laughs) Like, in a nice way, with encouragement, but, yeah. (laughs) Which I think some of us need, to be quite honest. Sometimes I need it. Sometimes I'll see your post, I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Well, I've been lazy. I got to do that. (laughs) So, it's nice. It's nice to join the community with that support. Uh, we have a great uh, community, Women Who Prep. Mm, uh, thanks yeah. to Allison. So, um, no, are... thanks to everybody. So yes. many, so many people are part of that. So come join in the Women Who Prep and on Instagram and uh, check out the podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to say? No, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you All so right. much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. And everyone, please go check them out. The links are going to be in the show notes here. Thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate you. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to Allison or myself or anyone else, anyone you feel comfortable reaching out to. It's totally cool. All right. Conquer tomorrow by preparing today. I'll talk to you later. Bye.